Welcome to the Canny Conversations podcast, conversations with a cause with social entrepreneur Safraz Ali. He coined a phrase that describes what he does as the mad entrepreneur. That's make a difference entrepreneurship. As well as being the author of the Canny Bites books, Saf's business interests cover health and social care, business and corporate events, as well as him being the CEO of Pathway Group, a welfare to work and skills provider. In each episode, we have a special guest joining Saf in discussion with journalist and broadcaster Adrian Kibler. This week, Saf again talks to Vince Essex, a man with over 25 years experience in the aviation business. They look at the past, present and future of the industry, and particularly Birmingham International Airport's place in the infrastructure of the West Midlands. So let's join their conversation. Welcome to another Canny Conversation with a cause. Uh, this is a conversation that we hope will captivate your curiosity cannily. And for this episode, we've got our heads in the clouds, haven't we, Seth? Absolutely. Absolutely. We are, we are flying high. We are, <laughs> we are in the stratosphere. And, and the man with us again, who we enjoyed a previous podcast, is, is Vince Essex. Hello, Vince. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Right, we're going to talk about aviation in this uh, episode. And we're going to do that because it's an industry that perhaps more than any other has suffered some difficult times because of the COVID outbreak, perhaps coming out of it now a little bit in the uh, early spring of 2022 uh, when we're doing this recording. I want you, Vince, in a minute just to talk about, you know, your career in aviation briefly and what you're doing now. But before I do that, Seth, how important is flying to you? How much of it do you do? Uh, I very rarely fly for business. Um, most of my flying is on a personal basis. I'm more, a, more of a consumer. I've been to uh, Saudi Arabia, been to Mecca, Pakistan, uh, Turkey, America. I've been to Malaysia. Uh, but it's more as a consumer. I, I don't tend to sort of uh, fly for, uh, it's not seaside holidays. It's more, uh, you know, either it's for family or for a pilgrimage or it's just an experience as opposed to a seaside holiday. But it's mainly as a consumer and I see it as a consumer rather than, a, you know, flying for business purposes. But it's opened up a world to you and, and enabled you to visit places that Otherwise, you would not have been able to, to visit. That's true, isn't it? Absolutely. Memorable experiences with my mother, uh, with my father, going to Saudi Arabia to do the pilgrimage. Uh, I've done that a number of times. You know, there's a moment, there's a, a few years where we were doing that every year. Uh, I've taken my children as well in that, in that experience. And for me, that's very memorable memories. And uh, it's a, a key part of even my children growing up in terms of for them to uh, have seen their, uh, you know, their grandfather's sort of uh, homeland and see our home back in sort of uh, Kashmir and Pakistan sides and, and uh, also again see the Prophet's homeland and, and see, you know, uh, Mecca and, and visit that firsthand. Vince, you're one of the people that's made that possible, of course, not just for SAF, but for, for millions of, of others. Just give us a, a brief resume of, you know, your career in, in aviation and what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so we started the business back in 2002, um, started trading in 2003, and essentially we've I've built it up over that time to be a, a support services company in aviation. Now that could be anything from 
tracing bags, which we've done for since 2004. We've been delivering all those bags since 2008. I've done numerous consultancy roles. I've been part of a startup team for a VIP um, airline. We are now just rolling out a uh, concierge meet and greet service in conjunction with the airport post-COVID. We also do a lot of airline management um, on a uh, contractual basis as well. And we'll look at any kind of support, whether that be for an airline or, or aviation on any level. And that's where the business has placed itself quite uniquely in the market, really. Uh, Seth, um, your flying, you've said that most of the flying that you do is is on a personal basis. But but how important do you feel that aviation is in terms of connectivity, in terms of regional prosperity? Important or not? I think, you know, whenever we look at the regional economy, uh, aviation comes into it in terms of attracting inward investment. And that inward investment isn't just in terms of Europe. We're talking about uh, United States, we're talking about nationally, internationally, and being able to get the international business coming in, you need to have a strong aviation market and you need to be have a strong airport. And I think this is where the, you know, this is where I would always look at the positivity whenever they're talking about the runways. I think we sometimes take decisions, takes us a longer process to make decisions decades uh, where others you know you talk about China or other markets they're a lot quicker in terms of building that infrastructure and from my perspective I look at aviation as a key part of our infrastructure and we've got to get that right because the impact of getting it wrong I think is huge. you're, You're operated primarily based in Birmingham airport just talk us through why you think that Birmingham Airport is so underused? It's a superb little airport. Well, not a little airport. It's a superb airport. The runway was extended, I think, a few years ago to enable flights all over the world. And yet it seems to struggle to, to break through in terms of, you know, the, the, as I understand it, you cannot fly directly to the United States from uh, Birmingham. The national carrier British Airways doesn't operate to or from the second city. Why do you think that is? The catchment debate has been ongoing in Birmingham for for many years. We're too close to Heathrow. We're too close to Manchester. My argument is if I think a lot of it is mentality from airlines. It's the big London thing. Well, should we go to Birmingham? It's an hour and a half away from London. We'll go to Manchester as well. It's the northern powerhouse, so to speak. I think the figure was something like 28 million within two hours of Birmingham. It's probably the biggest catchment. You know, we can drag down from Manchester, we can drag up from London right across to the east into Wales, South Wales. So for me, it can't be the catchment. It's got to be a mentality change from the airline, especially with HS2 now. I do fear that HS2 is not going to bring traffic away, could actually drag traffic, sorry, bring traffic to us, could actually drag traffic away. If there's more and more flights to London, I'd love a study to be done. Out of the 90 million, I think, at peak that Heathrow handled, how many of those people actually get in a car or get on a train and come north past Watford? You know, when I fly from Heathrow, the States, you've got to go from Heathrow. And that's just me. Not too long before we did this recording, Saffron, you went back to um, went to Pakistan. Mm. Did, did, were you able to fly from Birmingham? Yeah, so, um, so we travelled to Islamabad. PIA, Pakistan International Airlines. Although the carrier is defunct, but they've got uh, Air Jordan, I think, uh, who are now uh, flying on behalf of PIA itself. So, you know, we had a direct flight from here 
uh, direct to Islamabad. It's, it used to be eight hours, but this one, this flight was 10 hours. I think it's a different aircraft. But we also had the option of going to Dubai. So some of our family went from here to Dubai, stopped over there for a few hours, three, three and a half hours, and then from there to Islamabad. And I took the decision to go directly from Birmingham to Islamabad as opposed to Birmingham to Dubai, to Dubai then to Islamabad. There's Emirates that, that go that way just for, for the ease and just to save time really. Yeah, it's it's fairly easy and PIA has been going from uh, Birmingham for, I would say, probably quite a long time. Yeah, yeah in, two, in the 90s. Two, yeah, 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 two for, decades, maybe three decades now. Four yeah. Yeah. If you should mention yeah. Jordan Aviation yeah. because that is the company that I'm contracted to at the moment okay. as their regional manager yeah. to look after their flights. Last night, we did a flight, a PIA ticket, the flight, mm. where we operate it for PIA, yeah. 310 seats. 310 passengers yeah. um it's been it's been full uh we do on average about uh seven to eight a month um mm. for pia uh, the one aircraft flies between heathrow manchester paris and, and birmingham mm. um but um people love flying pia no matter what you know there yeah. seems to be a, a very unlike the uk a, a good uh, attraction or affiliation with the national airline that people don't seem to have in the UK with BA. Hence, you know, BA have retreated now to, to London only. You'll never see them back in Birmingham as a base or in Manchester. To, to me, they are London Airways, you know, when, but PIA have continued to maintain that regional, even Leeds at one stage, they had a flight. So, it, you know, the, the regional connectivity is more from overseas airlines like Emirates, mm. Qatar, than it is from our own national airline. What's your experience like as a, as a traveller? I mean, was, was it seamless? Was it good? I mean, you could park, um, you know, fairly near to home. And I mean, just, just talk us through the experience because I think one of the problems might be that people don't realise, you know, just what a great little airport. Well, I keep using that word. What a <laughs> great airport Birmingham is. I mean, was it a good experience? I mean, I, I live about three miles from Birmingham, so I, I, where I so Castle Bromwich, drive to Birmingham, three miles, very easy. You know, I had a uh, had our cousin drop us off. There's free parking there. He can drop you off. He can move. He can go home. We can get our luggage. Walk in. Very easy. Not a not an issue at all. Plenty of space uh, for parking if you were to park. But most people don't. Just drop you off, and there you go. And uh, that that makes a big difference in terms of that element of uh, the time beforehand, because the travel time, as I said, you know, could be eight to 10 hours, but there could be, you know, you're expected to go there a few hours beforehand, three hours in our particular case. But then sometimes, you know, the traveling in could be another two hours. Uh, in our case, it was only 20 minutes. So that makes a big difference. Three hours in terms of the check-in, check-in was fairly easy. Yes, there's an element of a queue, but baggage handling, not an issue for, for us, because we were going into a period where we had to get our passport, little cater forms, we had to get all the documentation in. That was probably the biggest obstacle to a certain level and, you know, fairly easy. The aircraft I have probably more issues with because the aircraft that uh, PIA use still seems to be very, uh, there's no sort of entertainment there. That's the only thing that I would say. Everything else I think is is fantastic. The people are lovely. The logistics of it is not an issue. Just the aircraft I think is a fairly old aircraft that they're using. I don't know the ins and outs of what the what aircraft it is, but what, what aircraft yeah. would pay? Uh, the one currently using is an A three thirty, Airbus A three thirty. It's about fifteen years old ex KLM aircraft. Um, okay, so it's know, not too bad. maintained. Fantastic uh, group of, of flight deck. Um, who used to, to fly for people like Oman Air, Etihad, yeah. Saudi, um, some, some great guys up the front driving, as I would say. 
the contract is actually up uh, in May. So whether uh, we'll continue flying for PIA, obviously PIA continue being assessed by EASA, mm. the European regulator, uh, with a view for them coming back uh, with their own aircraft. So obviously always is a plan that the PIA will return. But as I've just said before, you know, we're seeing now Emirates back going double yeah. daily end of yeah. March. 90% load factors, 400 people a flight. You know, I know you could argue we're not fully out of a pandemic. Yes, yeah, PIA yeah. last night, 310 people. Yeah. I mean, our, our flight, I mean, Vince was busy as well. There are no issues. I mean, we were struggling to book our tickets. You know, we, we had a large family that were going together and we had to go on two flights because we just couldn't get the tickets. We had 24 people uh, for a wedding that we went for. Just couldn't get the, the capacities there. The, 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 the requirements definitely are there. Uh, and I think that's not dying, uh, dying down any soon. So that will carry on. I'm, I'm sure it will. It's, tr- it's translating that to an airline, isn't it? It's translating yeah. that demand to an airline. And yeah. these airlines must see it and go, look, we, we can see the demand, but why is it stopping expansion at the moment? Mm. Trying to put your finger on that. I, I saw those pictures, Seth. I think your, your family, a lot yeah. of them went, didn't they? It was yeah, a, yeah. It was quite a big, uh, a big venture. Vince, just give us a feel. Um, we're talking at the early part of spring 2022. Just... And these might, I guess these are going to be quite frightening numbers, but give us a feel for the, you know, the, the amount of people that are now flying compared with uh, before the pandemic started and, and hopefully give us a bit of encouragement and telling us that, that things are starting to pick up. Can you do that? Yeah, I mean, we went from the pandemic, um, in the pandemic I went to the airport and for the first time since the 90s, when you walk into a terminal and it's yourself that is activating the, <laughs> the, the sensor on the lights that come on in the main yeah. terminal was just, just shocking but almost eerie to do. Mm. Today we'll probably, I was estimate somewhere about 60% in terms of passenger numbers already, so not fully out. The summer's looking encouraging. TUI announced some more aircraft-based. Um, I think the number around Jet 2 is in into double figures, early double figures of based aircraft. So there's certainly a, a rebound on holiday traffic the big question is around, I think, business upfront, higher your business traffic. We've all been Teams, Zoomed. Is that going to continue? Or the big question is traveling to see the whites of people's eyes and the firm handshake mm. going to exist. What's going to happen here? Corporate's going to go, do you know what? You don't. We don't need to pay £2,000 business class fare if you used to go to Dubai or to China to shake a hand. You've done it down Zoom for two years. Do you want, do you want to do that now? Well, we'll just, we'll just cut the travel budget. So there's an element, I mean, Emirates have kind of already indicated that the upfront, as I call it, business traffic at the moment, is more where people have saved or had money through COVID. And it's much more leisure business fares, which are still high yielding, but not certainly high yielding as a, as a full class, sorry, a full fare business class passenger traveling. So there's some, some interesting times ahead, but certainly the willingness to travel now is obviously the, the best it's been since since 2019. So I know you said you don't travel, uh, fly a lot on business, but how do you think that, you know, the new way of working, you know, the, the use of, of Zoom and similar online services, do you think that will mean that people will change their habits, that they'll they'll fly for business less often than they were in the past? Or do you think over time it'll it'll come back? I think if we just talk about travel per se, in terms of getting on the motorway, yeah, let alone international travel, uh, just in terms of uh, the meetings that I'm having, mostly they're now still on Teams and Zoom and, and so forth. They're, they're still um, digital, they're still electronic. However, it's the networking, it's the events that people are going to. 
where they're traveling. So I'm traveling for purposes of uh, of events. So, you know, we'll go to London, we'll go to a hotel, we'll go to conferences, we'll go to those events that are there because that's where the appetite is. People will go to them. So if I'm a speaker, I'm a speaker now, my preference is to, you know, to go and meet people. And there's a lot more events, conferences. That's what's getting people together. They'll go to see collectives. You know, we've got a, a number of conferences that we're arranging with our conference business, but also where I'm uh, I'm sitting on a board. So we've got the Ursa conference that we're arranging. We've got many conferences, award shows that we're arranging. So we people are coming for those. And same similarly, on an international basis, we've got NEC, we've got the uh, ICC and so forth. So the, it's the international conferences that I'll see, I think will hopefully get people first in. And then meetings, I think, will follow afterwards from my perspective and it's sometimes you know meeting people at these conferences that people are you know going to these events and conferences but they're having also their meetings as well but initially i would say there's an element where the meetings are carrying on on zoom uh, people not not necessarily getting onto the motorway or getting onto a plane but you can't uh, imitate the conferences or the benefit of a conference or, a, or, or an event online I mean, you, you could counter-argue yeah. there, there could be a, a boom because yeah. how many people have you met on Zoom and Teams that you haven't met personally and yes. you keep saying, oh, I can't wait to have a drink and a meal with you or meet you after Zoom, and whether that's the other side of the yeah. world or three miles away right. from your house, it, you know, it, it, it actually could yeah. enable a bit of a boom. Oh, I must yeah. go and see him. We spoke yeah. nearly every couple of weeks and he was, right. in, he was in Saudi and, and oh, I was get on the plane and go and see yeah. him and actually meet him. So it, it's, it's really interesting to see how it's going to, the technology versus travel. Yeah. Is actually going to pan out post this. Yeah. I think you're right, Vince, because I think that, you know, whilst the technology is very good, I think face-to-face is something which is still very important in terms of building relationships. Vince, I'd like just to share with us some thoughts about the way in which aviation is changing. I mean, I, I can remember, and so can you, when they were working at Birmingham Airport along with a lot of other airports around the world, so that they could have the facility to accommodate something called the A380, which is the, the very big Airbus aircraft, the biggest uh, passenger aircraft in the world. And now they're stopping making those. As I understand it, Boeing have stopped making the, the, the 747. So we're moving towards smaller aircraft, aren't we? Just talk us through that because it all seems very odd because, you know, aviation seems to be the one sector where technologically it's going backwards you know, you and I can, all of us around this table are old enough to remember Concorde, which disappeared from the skies because it wasn't commercially viable. And now we're seeing, you know, the big aircraft almost becoming a thing of the past. Or have I got that wrong? Yeah, the big aircraft are the way forward. Um, it's going to be the twin engined wide body aircraft um, and also the twin engine narrow body aircraft that go longer as a way forward. Runway extensions. My personal thought on Birmingham was it was at the wrong time because it was four or five years ago when you're seeing people like Rolls-Royce and Pratt & Whitney developing more powerful, more cleaner, more efficient engines that would mean a twin, a twin wide-bodied aircraft now could probably reach the uh, uh, west coast of the States off Birmingham's old runway without the runway extension. So mm. was 400 million well spent or not well spent? We were probably in the same position as we would have been without that runway extension, maybe. Um, as for the A380, is it, is it, is it a damp squid, as they say? It's, you know, there's only really Emirates that, 
the, the biggest operator in the world. Mm. Does it work for them? Yes or no on certain routes. Then they've now made some two-class 615-seat A380s for specific markets, one being Birmingham, actually. Mm. We do get the two-class, so it works well. It's a seven-hour ride down to Dubai and onwards. But I think over time, four-engined wide-body aircraft will not be made. That's the last that you will see of it. You talked about something there which I want to move on to now because I think it's very important, and that's uh, environmental issues. And um, if some people are to believe, you know, flying is the new drug dealing or exotic animal trafficking. Seth, when you fly, or do you feel guilty because of the damage you're doing to the environment? Um, no, no, because I'm obviously going on... Uh, uh, public airline it's not like a private jet or anything like that i was looking just the other day uh i'm quite active on on twitter and uh, there's an account which follows the movements of elon musk where he goes from one place to another mm-hmm. and, and it's a, i don't know what the technology is but it's, it's fascinating because it just charts all the elon's uh, jet in terms of where he's going and now that individual and i forget his name he's now following the russian uh, oligarchs Mm. Uh, and, it's, and and you can see they're going from one place to another to another and another mm. and that's one individual or possibly a group of uh, entourage going that's different to uh, myself and my family going on a pri- private holiday for for leisure purposes you know th- you know I, I don't feel guilty about that i think that's modern benefit of being able to do so you know, it's not like you know. Even even to a certain level, we, we've had crit- criticism where international um, uh, politicians they come in their private jets and they go to places like Davos and, and all of these sort of things, and they they have these meetings. I think that's fine. That's fair enough. That's not an issue. I don't have an issue with that. But I think it's the individuals themselves. You know, when they're doing it on a prior personal a personal basis, you know, jetting off from one place to another, that's where you can sort of possibly uh, legislate a little bit more or do something a little bit more about that and just possibly restrict because I think those are the individuals that are possibly taking advantage. Okay, Vince, three questions. Saf doesn't feel guilty about flying, should he? Uh, How dirty <laughs> is aviation um, and what's it doing to clean itself up? I agree. You shouldn't feel guilty because your only choice is to make the trip yeah. and be green or not make the trip. Yeah. But when it's to see family and friends uh, in Pakistan, and my father-in-law lives in Auckland, yeah. we want to see him. You've yeah. got to make the trip. Yeah. In terms of environmentally travelling, is it down to you? For me, it's down to the airline manufacturers and the engine manufacturers to become greener. You know, you making one trip a year, you know, yeah. the, the demand for private jets during covid Sword. Some private jet operators had their biggest or best years ever mm. because that was the only way for some people to go. The industry, as you said earlier, technology is behind, really behind technology. If you're building a house, you can produce more economical, mm. greener items very quickly. In aviation and technology, it always takes a lot longer. The carbon neutral thing by 2050, I'll just the airlines are never going to get there. It's just one thing. And, I, and, I, and I, again, much as I'm for being as green as we possibly can right through from recycling at home to the, to the cars that we choose to drive, mm. there are some things which we're going to have to accept, like yes. it or lump it, that are just not going to be green efficient. And flying, I'm afraid, it will be one of the last things, if ever, to be green. It will be as green as it can you know, we've seen airlines introduce um, much more friendly cutlery and things like that. You know, you're seeing real, some real good initiatives being taken place, testing with different types of fuel. 
But I'm afraid, without being negative, it's going to be one of the last. And again, if for it to be green, it's just one of them things which you have to accept isn't going to be. And as we come towards a close, I just want to talk about working in, in aviation. You know, the world has changed. And at one point, you know, aviation was seen as very glamorous. Um, but still, it, it's a very attractive business. And a lot of people, you know, would aspire to work in aviation. Safi's a, a champion and an expert on vocational training uh, and apprenticeships. Uh, Saf, are there any are there any particular apprenticeships which would be applicable to people that want to go into aviation? In terms of apprenticeships, there's a mass mass market of apprenticeships that are that are there. But you've got to understand, you know, where you, even when you're talking about aviation, there's so many different job jobs there. You know, baggage handlers, the back end, the front end, the customer service. It's a ma- massive economy in its own right. My business partner Wahid. He worked for British Airways and uh, he was a graduate. They had only recruited graduates at a particular time. It was very difficult for him to actually get that job because the criteria in terms of getting in was very high in terms of the tests that are going in. Uh, they were only looking for certain levels of graduates as well in terms of qualification. Certain universities is very elite to a certain level in terms of actually getting in. Uh, that's now opened up. Now, you know, you're recruiting people from different backgrounds, different aspects of it. There's opportunities there. And I think it's just widened up uh, the, the the market. So it's not all about apprenticeships, but it's about, you know, entry routes. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have gone into it from a temporary perspective, you know, in terms of a, maybe a maybe a holiday job or a short-term job and then moved into because it's they're seen it as a career. Not everybody is plane mad or a plane spotter. Uh, some people don't understand how big the market is or what the opportunities are. And they go from it in terms of a first year a job and then really turn into a career and I think that that seems to be the entry route for a lot of people. It, it's so diverse. Yeah. I've never known you've got a product to fly people from A to B, but what goes on in the background is, I would say in, in, in industry terms, one of the biggest things that needs to be brought together behind the scenes. I could name you 20 to 30 different areas alone yeah. just to get one flight away, mm. you know, and the jobs that are involved behind the scenes. And as you say, people, I think, tend to fall into aviation more than get into aviation. Mm. As you say, it was hard at one stage to get into it because the the bar was set so high for apprenticeship schemes. But now it's, mm. I mean, I was the same way. I started off uh, in a summer job to get some mm. experience dispatching aircraft and then saw an opportunity to to go on my own, grabbed it and, and went for it. So you could I, I counter-argue, I kind of fell into it, but knowing I wanted to be in it. And that's the way now I've seen people in the last 20 years, oh, I used to work with you on check-in. And now they've yeah. got a, a fantastic yeah. um, directorship job with a, a, an airline or handling agent Absolutely. or with the airport authority. Everybody just thinks it's about cabin crew and pilots. It's it's, it's not. And I think only when you start, you know, as I said, my, my business partner, he, you know, he was in the sector and he was talking about it. And it's only when you've got colleagues or friends who are in that sector, you actually, your mind opens up in terms of the impact that this sector has and the levels of jobs and the contribution that everybody has. It's that teamwork of, you know, everybody coming coming together and actually getting that getting that flight yeah. in uh, terms of starting in, in in the entry level of an industry and working your way up i've seen it myself it's one of the better industries for that mm. that you are able to start and on a summer job mm. and end up at directorship level you know i've seen that and, and i think that's a good good thing about the industry so the future very quickly you expect aviation stuff to, to, to continue to play an important role in the global economy and do you vince are you up optimistic about the future despite the difficult days that you've come through? 
Yeah, that, uh, actually, I think more than ever, Adrian, you know, we're Birmingham 13 and a half million was the best year we've had. I can see that once we're back to that, maybe 23 or 24, we will continue then to exceed that. The demand for travel is never going to, to fall away. You know, yeah. flying in, internally in the States is like getting on a train here. You know, family are that far spread around the world now and friends and colleagues. It's, it's just going to be a, a huge market. You know, we're now seeing development of better aircraft. People are opting for smaller aircraft, but on long core routes, we're seeing things like the A321neo, which is a single aisle you know, 200-seat aircraft crossing. The Atlantic now much more fuel efficient, um, more frequencies, but maybe smaller aircraft. So going for frequency over um, over mm-hmm. time and things, it, it, it's going it's to, yeah, it's going to continue to grow. I think there's the, the better years in terms of demand are ahead. Absolutely. I think I think Birmingham's got a great, great import in terms of location, uh, facilities, absolutely under, uh, hugely underutilized, as we've, we've said. I think we've got a fallacy, the fact that, you know, we're, we're going to cannibalize the, the London market or the Manchester market. It's not that. I think this is more choice for people. I think the numbers are going to go up like, like they have. It's not mutually exclusive. The demand is there. It's just that the... The, the people that the power the bees the, the 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 people that need to see it need to see it really and uh, mm-hmm. hopefully that's the way and uh, my sort of uh, you know regards and uh, well wishes for the sector and and I hope it thrives uh, like you know, like it has been in the past yeah 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 I mean even Birmingham started building a terminal extension yeah. which then got obviously uh, sort of boarded up so it's a big or temporary mm-hmm. until we have the bounce back and it will continue so it was going mm-hmm. to show the demand we had the runway extension we attracted Qatar you know Emirates for three daily post uh, sorry uh, pre-COVID mm-hmm. um, attracting no airlines the, the Indian and the Pakistani markets from Birmingham are just just huge, yeah, huge. Themselves, you know? and, it's the, it's, and I think that's where, where it's a little bit sad where the international market recognises Birmingham and the benefits of, uh, of flying from Birmingham but sometimes we are national carriers unfortunately or the national carrier unfortunately doesn't don't see how BA is now you know London Airways um, yeah. you know we're seeing a new airline fly BNL restarting back up we're seeing the new airlines called Hans Airways or looking to do Birmingham uh, to Amritsar, uh, another one called Pop, who are flying to India as well. But even some of the airlines now in Pakistan, Blue Air, are getting mm. wider body aircraft, so they'll look at maybe coming out of Pakistan into the, the longer haul markets. Mm. Uh, you know, you look at Birmingham's long haul routes, it's, it's Dubai, India and, and Pakistan. And, mm. and even the next airlines that are eyeing up coming to Birmingham are primarily to serve their markets because mm. that's, I think it's the stats or something like we have the biggest mm. Punjabi population outside of India. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, there are so, so many thoughts. One of which, of course, Saf, is, is how about the Pathway private jet, which, 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 which I can fly on, yeah. Vince can, can do the ground handling. It's a win all round. Saf, I think you would agree that the last half hour has been great hasn't it Vince is uh, truly remarkable in terms of the knowledge that he has and, and so forth and I think we've, we're just touching the surface there but thank you again Vince for all your support really appreciate your contribution yeah no it's been great as I say you could probably do another 10 episodes on <laughs> 10 different areas of aviation that people probably didn't know about but yeah. yeah it's been great and for a man with his head in the clouds he's had his feet remarkably well set on the ground Vince thank you so much for coming thank you Adrian uh, thank you Safra so as, as always yeah. time has beaten us again we're going to bring this canny conversation to a close. We're going to hope that you've enjoyed listening. Uh, if you have, we'd hope that you would like us and hopefully you'll subscribe to the canny conversations. So we'll curtail this canny conversation and uh, we look forward to being with you next time. And until then, stay safe. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to this Canny Conversation with the Cause. These conversations are based upon the Canny Bites books by Safras Ali, available on Amazon. To find out more, go online and visit Saf's website, pathwaygroup.co.uk, or join him on social media. He can be contacted at safras at pathwaygroup.co.uk. Canny Conversations with the Cause are produced by Pathway Group, who have a mission to change lives through skills and work. And they do this through upskilling and reskilling individuals by getting them firstly into sustainable employment and tackling the talent and skills issues commonly faced by businesses. In addition to their core skills and employability business, Pathway Group also actively promote diversity, equality and inclusion and have initiated causes such as the BAME Apprentice Network, the BAME Apprenticeship Awards and the Festival of Apprenticeships. This is a 1386 audio production. 